Well, it looks like white supremacy is alive and well in the United States of America. As a black man was mercilessly beaten to death by a group of black men. And the Democrats take that opportunity to push the police reform agenda. All that and much more here at the Politically Tolerant. I'm Cooper Brown. I'm Zachary Grover. Now, it sure seems like the end of the Western civilization as we know it. Now, truth no longer matters. Now it's all about narrative. And the narrative is, is that black police officers can contribute to systemic racism. Oh, what do you think about that, Cooper? That's so stupid. But uh, this is so this has kind of been the news of the talk lately this week. Uh, for those that aren't aware, there was a men in the Memphis police have kind of been in trouble lately because uh, an in, there was a video that emerged showing uh, a man whose name was um, Tyree Nichols, I believe. Right. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, he was pulled over for a traffic stop. And then um, this was back in um, early January, January 7th, I believe. And uh, he ends up running away from the police officers they end up tracking him down and then um, violently beating the dude. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If you've seen the body cam footage of this thing, it's like what you would, it's, it's, it, when I was watching it, it was reminding me of like the mafia when they would, they didn't get the money from a dude and they would like hold their hands back and they'd be like swinging at his face or they'd have a baseball club and they'd like break the kneecaps. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, is, I don't want to trivialize someone being beat to death. That's not a funny thing, but that's what I was reminded of watching something like that. Um, and so now there's a bunch of hullabaloo going around saying that, uh, that the police is an institution of white supremacy now, even though I believe the Memphis police department's like 50% black, all the, all the police officers that were involved in this instance were, were black. Um, so it's just this weird kind of narrative that, that the media and Democrats just have to shove whatever happens in the news. They have to push their agenda onto and just fit the circular peg into a square shaped hole. Um, so I don't know what your opinions about it are, but to me, this is, it's a ridiculous thing. It's that it's trivializing kind of someone's death. Um, even though all these, and they're making a huge, huge big deal about this, even though the individuals involved in this crime, they're all going to jail. They're all going to be prosecuted. So. Yeah, so, I mean, going off of what you said, Cooper, I wanted to draw what Van Jones, a CNN commentator, talked about this matter. And he was talking about the black police officers and what was going on with the victim, Terry Nichols. And what he drew upon was that even though they were black themselves, all like you said, all of them together, was a product of systemic racism. Now, he didn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily say that, those words, but he, what he was alluding to was that it was this culturally enforced narrative that the Memphis police officers had, well, all the police officers as a unit had mm-hmm. on black communities that it was their uh, it was their ability to enforce any type of power as possible. I mean, that's what he was talking about in a narrative. And it leads me to believe that he was enforcing this idea of systemic racism. And it's kind of labeling of that is kind of extremely dangerous. And I think it's very horrible what Van Jones was doing and what CNN was doing as a whole, because it is a form of propaganda. Now, I want to tell you why, because this labeling of systemic racism is not very far from, off from how they talked about patriarchy 
or how they talked about even the Jews control the media. Now, I'll tell you why I want to draw those comparisons. Because he's labeling that there is some other blaming that there is a systemic issue is not blaming police officers. It's actually blaming the broader institutions of America themselves and blaming actually white people. I'm talking about systemic racism. Blaming white people because white people, in particular white men, were the product of this encroachment on black people of black racism and blaming others for these kind of faults is similar to how patriarchy views it as well. Now, patriarchy blames men and white men in particular for the faults of that society. Mm-hmm. They're blaming all these faults on them, even though they're not taking individual responsibility. And I say this that is very dangerous because they're using this kind of labeling that systemic racism and patriarchy, and if they keep reinforcing this narrative on CNN, on MSNBC, this reinforcing narrative is going to have kind of a hypnosis effect on people. Because they're going to start believing, well, this might be true because I keep hearing that, you know, the patriarchy system exists or the white supremacy narrative exists or whatever structural racism exists. And it has to be true because it keeps telling me and it's these people who are the blame. It's similar. And this is why I want to draw upon Nazism in particular. They blame the Jews in the same way black people did because they're blaming a structural force. They're blaming the Jews that control the banks and they have the ways of dictating uh, the governance of the German people. And it's like the Germans, you know, what's getting involved with Germans progressing? The Jews. And it's the same way as, you know, what's getting from the black people progressing? The, the structural racism of the United States. It's the same way. And I just want to draw upon that. What do you think about that? Yeah. Claire? I mean, I think that actually draws upon the bigger, the story kind of behind this because the, the Memphis police thing, at this point, everyone kind of knows about it. People have seen a little bit of the body cam footage that was released um, during this week. Um, but it's really about kind of the news narrative. That's that's basically what most stories are. It's basically there's the story and then there's the response to the story, right? And a lot of the times the response to the story is what makes the big, is like the big driver, the big like news story, right? And that's the same thing in this case too, right? It's the media's, um, it's, it's, Democrats pushing their, like, this is the time to push their agendas forward, right? Whenever there's a blatantly obvious, you know, um, example of police, you know, police brutality, right? Um, then this is their instance to, to push the narrative, the, the things that they're interested in. And you're 100% right that the use of these terms, it's, it, it does a, a hypnosis kind of effect to people is that when you hear it a lot of times you, you begin to believe it. And that's the problem with these, these media institutions is that that's what happens when, um, that's what happens to the average American, right? When they're not, when they just kind of passingly consume news and consume kind of these garbage lies and stuff like that. This one, understandably, this is a bad story, but their response to the story is what's, is what's polluting people. Um, and, and this kind of, I want to bring up this idea that like all these institutions are just all anti-cop, right? They're, they're, there's this, there's a legit war on the police officers. And we see this in terms of like, there's been legitimate instances where counties and cities have, have removed funding because of the whole BLM riots that happened in the summer of 2020, 
that you know the summer of love right you know that they that they said the new summer of love <laughs> when, oh, they yeah. caused, when they caused two billion dollars worth of property damage that summer right um, where they defunded police officers. We see police um, police officers individually leaving at record numbers. Um, and then you have people on CNN that you mentioned um, just, just saying like them as an institution, no matter what the skin color of these people are, just because they're part of the police, they are proponents of white supremacy. It's just, I don't know where they get, <laughs> they get that, the nerve and get off on some saying stuff like that. It's a see. That's what I'm saying. It's like I don't know what the motives of CNN, MSNBC, or you know all the other left leaning mainstream media outlets to promote stuff like that because it is so much more damaging to the American people than actually is realized. And I don't know if obviously, as you know, the this, the ratings of CNN is lowering and lowering. And as you see it, they keep they keep promoting these ideas more and more. And I think it's because the narr- it's breaking their narrative. When you hear stuff like what happened to uh, was it Trey Nichols, right? What happened to him? Yes. I have a black police officer. It's really breaking their narrative. So they want to push more and more in their narrative to keep it relevant, mm-hmm. right? So that's mm-hmm. what they want to do. But that's why I also wanted to bring originally idea I, f- I forgot to mention up because I'm sure all of you who watch our podcast is very based. But in case you didn't know that, right, these these certain terms, these certain terms that they use, like structural racism, like what's white supremacy, like the patriarchy, they want they want to have a reaction out of you and uh, an angry reaction out of things. And but it's, you know, it's really interesting enough. If this is not a conspiracy enough, Klaus Schwab, and remember, the, I know we're bringing <laughs> Klaus Schwab, we're bringing Klaus Schwab from all of this stuff. But he, he wants to, in this video, to bring about the fourth industrial revolution, he wanted more government reaction. And he said, you know why? Because there's a structural problem in the world. There's a structural problem. Now, isn't that a little dangerous? Kind of like structural racism, right? A little keyword he used. Well, we know, we know that they're the verbiage that, that the left always use is similar to that of globalist that's the same as marxist lenin like um you know those kind of big um the revolutionary ideas the they derive from the exact same formulas almost exactly um they have they use their own textbooks basically um there's a funny thing that's about narrative building that cnn i saw i don't i don't know what his name is but an individual is basically blaming the um the 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 oppression of black people that the only way one of the only ways to counteract that is through climate change <laughs> god like, you, know, you, you was talking about like social measures please the climate just passingly it's just like whoa, whoa, whoa what are you talking wait the climate i don't think so dude i think that's something completely different shoot cooper what is that stuff with the, the stove ovens you know what i'm talking about i can't oh, oh so, so. Okay, so this is a little off topic, though. So the stove oven thing is that um, gas-powered stoves emit too many harmful toxins and emissions into the air that they have to – we have to ban them. And we have to turn everything – all like no longer produce gas-powered stoves, only electric stoves. I don't know about you. Actually, I know you've had an electric stove. Yeah. I've cooked on an electric stove many times. When I I used to cook over at your apartment all the time – you had an electric stove. It is the worst thing ever. It is terrible. They are they take so long to heat up, and you can't control the temperatures. Really, it's just a terrible system ever. 
But that that's the justification that they were saying is that these are too harmful to the environment and therefore we need to ban them, switch everything over to electric powered um electric powered uh ovens. I think you underscore yourself because you're a great cook. And I'm not just saying that he has great recipes for a lot of things like fried chicken and talk ta- and tacos and stuff. And if you want to leave a comment section, if you want to, <laughs> please do. Cause I'm sure Cooper would love to tell you about his recipes, but yeah. Hey, listen, if no one's going to cook for me, I got to learn how to do it myself. <laughs> everything's from scratch. Everything's from everything's the best. Um, but uh, to kind of get back to what we were talking about a little bit before and kind of the narrative that, um, that people are creating. Again, you never let a good um, a good crisis go to waste. So you have people like Kamala Harris and um, Al Sharpton at um, this individual's funeral, I think that just occurred yesterday, um, talking about how they the Republicans need to pass the George Floyd protection bill or whatever and 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 taking the opportunity during this guy's funeral, by the way, like where his mother and I think his father was there too. They were there crying, you know, they're there to mourn the loss of their son, which was a tragedy. Everyone knows it was a tragedy, by the way. That's not something that people are disputing. Um, but then they show up, cameras everywhere, paparazzi's everywhere, and people trying to get interviews with them. And then you have the the worst vice president, maybe of all time. Can we agree? Kamal Harris. Lover of Venn diagrams, lover of yellow school school buses, worst, <laughs> worst oh, vice president ever. He was also vice president Joe Biden. So <laughs> there we go, competition. competition. I, I Kamala Harris is worse than Joe Biden. Yeah, president. I mean Joe Biden worse than president and vice president. He didn't do shit as vice president. Yeah. <laughs> positive. He was he was a big military industrial complex guy as a vice president, but Kamala Harris. I mean. Is up. I, he's up there. I don't know any time in the last hundred years we've had a, a vice president so involved fail so poorly. Um, I okay. Another little side chap. I love the hilarious quote that she was giving when we were, she was talking about um, abortion the other week, where she uh, purposefully didn't include the ter- she was quoting the Declaration of Independence and purposely didn't include the term life in life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness while she was describing abortion rights. <laughs> that was amazing. She was just, it was like halfway through, it was like, we, everyone has the right to uh, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And just like, she knew that if she said life, everyone was like, yeah, everyone, yeah, you have the right to life. So. Yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, John on the military industrial complex, you know, I, I know this might have happened actually over a week and a half ago, but Joe Biden giving those M5 Shermans to the Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Do we ever learn? Because obviously you had to do a military industrial complex, him giving, you know, tanks to the Ukraine. We ever learn from Iraq? I mean, you see the left talking about this idea and, you know, you see him promoting Joe Biden's actions in Ukraine, even though they were so against George Bush when he was going on Iraq, which I'm obviously I don't support as well. But I'm just saying, it's like this, it all matters is Who's in office for, you know, if they support, you know, yeah. giving money to them, even though they're both despicable in my opinion, but yeah, I mean, you'll see, this is the thing that you can see any Democrat that's in office, you can, you know, Google them, Google videos of them um, from 10 years ago, and they're supporting the things that they're claiming to support now. 
Like Joe Biden has stuff all the time where, or Barack Obama, when he was supported gay marriage and then suddenly didn't um, videos of Joe Biden talking about um, the, the upcoming debt ceiling fight. That's obviously going to happen um, in the house where he was talking about when, but when Republicans controlled uh, Congress and stuff like that, he voted against their spending bills and stuff like that. And saying that he didn't want to increase the debt limit. So, I mean, these are all just little things that you can you can play a game. You can play ping pong back and forth of the opinions of of Democrats. Um, but, but yeah, but I was but gonna, just yeah the same as um, as as these knuckleheads, <laughs> these people that just kind of the audacity to again think of them. This is something we talked about before. Kind of their audacity, thinking of themselves as the saviors that. Um, we are the only ones that can help black people from their situations. We are the only people that can help. Um, you have to give us power, right? right? Give us power and authority, and then we'll go screw it up, right? And then we'll call, we'll say, well, we didn't have enough power and authority, and then you give us more and stuff like that. And so that's just another instance of, of us playing this game over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's like the audacity of them. It's like they think they're Martin Luther King Jr., like going up there and talking about black people. I mean, the only reason why I think they think you know, they can have that platform is because they're black themselves. It's like, oh, I can talk on behalf of black people because I'm black as well. Even though what they're doing is more poisonous for black people too. Because if you don't, if, this is what I want to talk about. If you don't have, if you have police reform and there's more turnover rates of police officers, that actually might be more damage to black people and as people as a whole. Because mm-hmm. who's going to come to your aid if there's gang violence? Who's going to come to your aid? I mean, if it goes private, if privatized police officers, as we see what's going on, you know, people not depending on police officers anymore, people going for private contractors and more well-to-do communities, black people are going to be left in the de- the ditch, right? No one's going to support them at all. Yeah, so, good luck in your good luck in your Democrat-controlled counties and cities where you can't own guns. So, exactly, you know, your 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 militia will fall apart very quickly. I mean, there's there is some kind of instance to there's some there's something to say about particularly the Memphis insta in the Memphis um, situation where um, again black you know majority black police force majority black city you know police chief is black um, and they are. They're, them in particular over the last several years have been lowering their standards for police officers. Like they removed the um, the option and the need for um, like timed athletic feats and stuff like that to pass because they just needed to get whatever kind of numbers, um, diversity numbers that they can get basically. So they were basically not turning anyone away. They even had programs to allow felons to apply to become police officers. Um and so this is kind of that affirmative action stuff that you can kind of you can kind of get yourself into where when the police officers are all affirmative action hires and it's not a merit based system, mm-hmm. right? Then you get instances where you get bad cops performing badly, right? You know, during the videos there were times when there were six, seven officers trying to hold one guy down, right? Yeah. Jeez. Um if you've ever done jujitsu, you should know that you can control a person really well with one other person if you know what you're doing, right? But to do it harmlessly and not hurt the person, it takes more people. Um, but in that instance, I mean, the guy was flailing. They, he was able to, 
able to get up and run away from the cops, which, by the way, I mean, those guys got mad at you because you ran away and stuff like that. The, so don't be running away from the cops and, and your likelihood of bad things happening to you drop dramatically. Um, but it's just this idea that, that the standards that police officers have been giving, have been given, have been going down purely for diversity's sake. And we see this in everything. We see this in education. We see this in, um, like even, even you can say in the, um, uh, the, the, the plane, the, what is it called when you're flying the, those industries and stuff like that? Just every industry you can see basically ESG no. policy pushes diversity. And so right. Wait, it's, it's not, it's no longer the best person getting the job. It's, it's not a problem about like, okay, if you're not the most qualified person in any field, if you're not the most qualified person in the job, I mean, there's obviously certain baggages, the reason why you're not actually excelling the way. And if someone hires you because of that, there's some problems that you have to face. It doesn't matter between your skin tone. It might, might matter because, oh, maybe I just wanted to apply for the job because, you know, it's a job, not because I want to become a police officer. Like a lot of people who actually want to be police officers, I'm sure wanted to be for a very long time. Lots of probably want since they were kids, right? So that act is like, okay, I'm just going to apply because maybe, you know, I could get a job and, you know, make a, a decent wage, but not actually wanting to be a police officer and saying, well, I mean, I'd rather beat this guy up until, you know, instead of trying to enforce kind of a law. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the problem with that, with police officers in particular. But it's that, it's that idea of equality of opportunity over outcome. That's really the basis of this problem. If you keep going on this route that, you know, only – accepting people for their jobs because their skin tone or their gender. You're going to have a problem with resentment towards both sides. People are going to be at their throats because if the government, if jobs only by other people, there's going to be huge, massive instability because they're going to be like, why aren't you hiring me? I'm qualified. Is it because of my race or my identity? If you know, this is I'm talking about like mm-hmm. people who are not um, minorities in this situation. And I think that's the problem within our society because of these environmental, we were talking about ESG and diversity hires, we see this prevailing effect as we see going on in our society when it's pompous movements, like with Trump, like we see with Brexit. I mean, we see all these different things going on, like in Brazil as well. I mean, it has an effect on society. When you encroach on people's ways of living, when you enforce these measures, there, there is something wrong with that. But I want to bring another article because I think it's also really important to talk about what, what happened with Ron DeSantis and the AP African-American Studies program. And what he was talking about is that he wasn't trying to get rid of the African-American studies. What he was trying to do was trying to get rid of some of the things they taught in the curriculum, like the 1619 Project which goes against obviously American values talks about all the negative aspects of America, which is obviously horrible when you're trying to propagate as a kid, they hate America as well as gender ideology. Don't know what that's doing. <laughs> Are you in an African American studies curriculum? You gotta learn is- about the transgenders, right? All the, all the three transgender black people in America. All right. <laughs> They're important. They need a voice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can only refer to them as the African American zers in the furs. But not <laughs> you can't include the white zers in the furs, only the African American thirds in the zers. <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's so stupid because we're not saying, we're not saying we're against African Americans. 
studies being taught in classes. Obviously, mm-hmm. learning by history is important as a whole. But when you're attacking a system, like we were talking about before, like systemic racism, they want they don't want to attack just police officers. They want to attack the system of the United States as a whole. And I think that's the whole plan of the African, the AP African American Studies, what they were doing before, before Ron DeSantis. And now we see what he successfully did was get them off their backs and forcing these curriculums out, out of uh, the studies. I mean, what do you think of that, Cooper? Yeah, I mean, Florida's just kicking butt right now. Ron DeSantis is basically just getting win after win after win, just racking up W's, just, <laughs> you know, getting ready for his, his, his campaign. I know, no doubt, I bet. Um, and it, it kind of, it feels like he's the front runner, definitely, um, over Donald Trump. And it's hilarious because Donald Trump is just constantly trying to attack Ron DeSantis. You know, he's posting about him on Truth Social and stuff like that. And Ron DeSantis is just like steadfast, not even paying attention. And, and Donald Trump's like waving his hands in front of his face and like trying to get him to engage. Um, and Ron DeSantis is just like, nah, dude, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ban critical race theory in the classroom. I'm just going to make sure there's no more of these, um, Tranny story hours, you know, I'm just going to, you know, no vax mandates. Uh, you know, I'm just going to keep uh, kicking right here, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying. Like, you see, I mean, difference between other Republicans. And we're not taking his action like Ron DeSantis. And we have talked about this in past videos. We love Ron DeSantis, don't we, Cooper? But he's showing, we do, we do. He's showing, showing through his actions. That he can be a viable Republican candidate for mm-hmm. 2024 presidential election probably the only one honestly who could probably be biden um i kind of agree with that yeah. i kind of agree um because the media and people just love the old the old grandpa joe biden you know um democrats do they kind of like that that story because they think he's a nice guy i think he's moderate even though he's been the least modern president you know in the last five generations last you know, five presidents, presidencies. Not a nice guy. He was friends with the Ku Klux Klan uh, leader. Yeah, what a guy for a race. He was like, if you're not black, you don't. <laughs> right? Like, oh yeah, what a guy. What a guy to vote for. No one fucking pays attention to that. But they pay. He's like, he's like, if you're a hidden racist, if you're yeah. a hidden like child pedophile, you love Joe Biden because anytime he's like gets around a kid and like grabs a back, all the people watching, all the like sickos are just like. That's our guy. We got one in the office, and they're all like rooting for it. So you don't want that guy in the office. No, all of that, all of the above. Now, in particular, with dementia, he can't even do shaky. Yeah. Now stuff. he's starting to spill the beans on the thing he's the things that he's supposed to keep secret. Yeah. Now they're thinking they got to get rid of the dude. Oh yeah, but you sh- but you know who you know who should be the president when the Democrats are mo- the most afraid of a person, right? They're not most afraid of Donald Trump, right? Because they beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump lost the the 2020 election. And that kind of devastated him. And he's never really been the same since. And so they know they're betting on the fact that they can beat him again. But that's not who they fear the most. They fear Ron DeSantis the most. Because he's the person that took Florida that was a purple state. Won it by 20 points. You know, basically flipped every Democratic seat in there to Republican. Like had only had five, I only had a million less votes in the primary election than they did in, than Donald Trump did in the general election. That's actually huge numbers because normally you don't get, you get barely any turnout for midterm elections. But Ron DeSantis almost 
uh, copied Donald Trump's numbers during his 2016 election. So, or 2020 run there. Um, so he, I think he's the clear, you know, the clear front runner. Um, but his example of just, he found a really good middle ground of, of a, of like appeasing, like people are going to say it's not appeasing conservatives, but it is because again, like you said, we want history taught in school. We want the good and the bad that America, you know, contributed in, but we want, we want it done fairly. We don't want people to be taught that America was established in the 1800s because that's when slavery and our whole identity is slavery because it's for one, that's not true. Not true at all. Um, and so I think that's a good kind of powerful thing that's going on that um, that kind of shows that there's a bit of cultural pushback in, in you know, the good states you want to live in. The blue states, I mean, they're, they're, they're spitting down the toilet bowl faster than ever before. But we know Republican states, red states are doing, you know, good things. So... Federalism at work, right. you can be happy about. The problem with the 1619 Project, you know, what we're talking about, the idea is that America did not start 1776. It started 1619 and the introduction of slavery into the United States. The problem with that is that you're just going to ignore everything that America stands for, like mm-hmm. freedom of speech, like well, obviously the um, the Constitution. But all these things, these liberty, everything, everything that the United States stands for, you're just going to ignore. And you're just going to start including stuff about slavery. And and that's just going to create more division between us. And we're not going to come as a people because we're going to think, well, America is bad as a whole. Why don't we just break it down? Right. Break the whole system down because, you know, America doesn't matter. And mm. it's these people. It's these, you know, whatever it is, these people like white people who, who are always disfranchising black people since the dawn and they never have even though since after i mean we can agree on this even after right after civil rights act 1964 you see systemic racism pretty much going away because mm-hmm. you don't have any laws in place that are actually discriminating against black people obviously there's racism there's racism in any society we're actually the least racist of all societies but that's that's a different point but it's true it is very true. It is true. If you go to anywhere else in the world, there's still some great racism between the dumbest things like sex and religion. But that's a different point of view. That's a different point. But what I'm saying is like you you built these falsehoods and you built that there's never stop. You're just going to start keep resuscitating these and it's just going to create more division and you're not going to find any common ground. And I mm-hmm. think that's the problem with the left's agenda right now, with media in particular, who is enforcing that. But now and education see that taking place there's never going to be a continuity between republicans and democrats if it keeps happening and the polarization is going to continue more and more and you will mm-hmm. never see any importance in that but i wanted i think it was i would want to talk to you about this because we talked a little bit about this before but about turnover rates and i want to talk about this particularly in turnover rates of police officers and the thing i want to talk to you about and was that is it really if, – if we have a turnover of police officers rate, is it really going to go private? Or do you think there's going to be, like, federal police officers coming and taking over local jobs? And I think that's going to be more problematic. Yeah, and I think if the system, if the pendulum ever breaks one or the other direction, for one, I don't think state – like, states are still going to have their own state-sponsored police systems. Um, but if it ever goes away, 
I don't see privatization. Privatization of police forces is a bad idea in general, I think. Um, but I don't think it'll fall that way. It'll be total federalized system and everyone is a federal agent, which you definitely don't want that. So, I mean, we love our libertarians like Michael Malice, but <laughs> I, I love it. But I don't think that's going to work because I honestly think the federal police force, force is just going to take over the local police force and it's going to ignore local laws and local cl- community police policy that's been established for what decades, right? That knows the system, that knows the area, and they'll just report directly to what you know the federal government wants in that particular area. And I think there's, that's what's matter about it. Yeah, there's right. nothing better than a beat beat down cop who's worked the same neighborhood for ten years, yeah. knows everyone in the neighborhood, <laughs> has seen the has seen like the children grow up, you know, has been to the high school games and stuff like that. And whenever he, he got caught in trouble, he said, "Hey, there's two ways you can do this, like." I can either take you to the police station or I'm going to tell your dad. And they're just like, crap. And that's how you handled law back in the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, each other, you're familiar, you right. Have a, you have a relationship with each other. And that's another thing is, I mean, that's a big problem with big cities and in and of yeah. itself is that you have no connection to the police. You don't see them as human beings. Right. We kind of do the same thing with prisoners where we just kind of, they're a section of the population we want to avoid at all costs. Right. Police are generally the same thing, but for a different reason, because when we interact with them, you know, as law-abiding city, citizens, then you kind of like, you get nervous, right? Because you don't, you don't know what, are you in trouble for whatever reason? This is right. something that everyone experiences. It's not something um, that is only beholden to black communities. This is something, the talk that people give that you have, that black people said that they've had to be given, how to deal with police officers and stuff like that. I had the exact same talk. We all do of how the proper way you address police officers, the proper way you conduct yourselves. This is not something new in these communities. Um, there's a, there's another funny story that I kind of want to bring up um, in Madison, Wisconsin, really fast, where okay. they, the police chief there banned the use of the, the, the iconic police, like black and um, blue flag. And uh, because they said that it was a symbol of um aggression that or the symbol of it would cause aggression to people and stuff like that so that uh they that kind of iconic symbol of the police they had to take it down now you're no longer allowed to show those things but you're allowed to to fly rainbow flags and transgender flags and stuff like that it's fine yeah i mean the promote see that's what i'm saying this actions against and i think it's a good uh place to end up with this argument you us both sides to attack police officer in the matter that they do, you're mm-hmm. you're really attacking people who are trying to protect you. And when mm-hmm. you do that, they're not going to trust you. They don't want to go in these areas. If if you're not going against them, if if you're promoting, you know, anti police, why would they come and try to protect you? If if you're going to call on them, they might might as well not to come because you're like, well, I hate police officers. Who are you going to call if there's a murder? Who are you going to call if someone's, thank, frankly, trying to rape you? Who are you going to call if there's, you know, a drug dealer in your neighborhood? You're not going to call your Black Lives Matter activist, are you? I don't think so. You're going to call <laughs> a police officer, right? And you get rid of, and you get rid of that. I mean, well, I know you're, you're I know you're in D.C., so guns aren't allowed there. But I mean, <laughs> the ideal scenario is that you pull out a 45 or a nine millimeter and you stop the perpetrator right there. In my opinion, so 
<laughs> but the police are the next best thing you can do. So that's absolutely true. I think this is a good place. I honestly, I think we had a productive talk. I think we always do. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's great for you guys watching us because we want to promote our ideas more and more. Our conservative libertarian ideas to you guys, and hope you come and join us. Yeah, to us. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> labels, Cooper. We don't like labels. Right? <laughs> But we, we want you to come and watch us more. Please hit that subscribe button. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But just come and watch us and go in the comment section, talk about it. Let's talk more about conservative ideas and bring mm-hmm. about our movement against what's going on with left establishment, trying to take over America, trying to destroy America as a whole. So mm-hmm. let's continue our fight. Am I right, Cooper? Right. This is something we do for fun. This is just for our pure amusement. We don't care where this goes. I don't care if zero people see this. This is just a fun thing we do. I kind of prefer that, by the way. But this is just something fun. But, I mean, it's it's cool to see people engage. But this is that's not necessarily a prerogative. This is just a fun thing that I really enjoy doing. Um, and I know, Zach, you enjoy it, too. So we'll continue on making videos, talking about news and politics, commenting on the world. No, it's great. But, yeah, well, like like Cooper said, this is a fun thing we do. But we love your support and for watching us. We really get a kick out of it. And we love what we do because we want to talk about politics and have more well-versed understanding of the world, which it doesn't seem like what's going on with the left. And all they do is adopt falsehood, false ideologies, and want to promote it on the whole people. So with that being said, Cooper, it was great talking to you. Always enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Hope to see you next. We'll, we'll see you next week. Have a great rest of your day, buddy. You too, bro. Okay.